All right, guys, we have Gary Chupik here with us, speaker, mental performance, and leadership coach. Gary, I'm glad we could find some time in your schedule, in your travel schedule, to get you on on for the 30 minutes we have today, because I know you're all over the place. We met in Vegas uh, in passing. We were able to connect about a month ago, and I knew immediately that our listeners and our audience would would take a ton of value from your story, from your word, and in your wisdom. So uh, we're super grateful to have you on. Yeah, thanks. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, can we start off just by giving everybody a background? Because you've had a, you've had a unique track record that's that's landed you where you are today, and the, the momentum that you've created over this year, and the direction you're going in is, is pretty awesome. I don't want to spoil it, so could you just maybe give our listeners a little bit of a background on where you've where you've been and and kind of where it's landed you today? Yeah, yeah. I've kind of been a reluctant leader most of my life. Um, I, I never wanted to be in a lot of leadership positions, but I always found myself in leadership positions. And I think a lot of that was just based on authenticity. It's like, how can I be a blessing to the people around me? And so I grew up in Canada most of my life. I'm a prairie boy. And so if there's any quirks about my language, that's that's still some of the Canadian coming out in me. But I moved to Seattle, Washington when I was 21. I got married to a girl here. And so it was like middle of nowhere, Canada, Seattle. Middle of nowhere, Canada, Seattle. What do I choose? And so we chose to come back to Seattle where she was from. And uh, along the way, I ended up uh, becoming an ordained pastor. I mean, that's the short version, of course, but I ended up becoming an ordained pastor and then pastor of the church and have been an ordained pastor for 28 years. And I say that, which is kind of interesting. I kind of did it against my will. Um, I didn't really want to be a pastor, but I just kept on saying yes to what I thought was right in front of me. So it, it led me down this path of just being in what I call classrooms, like a lot of the experiences that we go through in classrooms that might seemingly be unrelated actually are very related. We just don't see it in the moment. Like, for example, there's a difference between perception and perspective, right? Perception is the way that you see things uh, in the moment. Perspective is looking at something through somebody else's eyes. So so for me, when I was going through a lot of the these classrooms and being a pastor, I actually started my own church in Seattle and uh, did that for 10 years, which was a real blast. How it relates to mental performance, I don't know. But it was just the classroom that I was in. And I just wanted to keep on saying yes to whatever was in front of me. So now that I look at it, now that I have some perspective, I can look back at it and say, oh, I learned this skill here, or, or I learned that mindset there, or I learned that a lot of people believe in ideas, but I want to believe in people. So it was, and, and when you're a leader of a nonprofit, you don't have money to entice people or to motivate people right? You just, I mean, you can guilt people into stuff, but that doesn't work either. So I learned the, I learned very naturally how to coach people to bring up the best in them. And I'm not a dictator type, like that's just not me. I am a question asker. And so even when I would uh, be in front of a congregation on a Sunday, I would just ask good questions. And I thought that was my primary job. So, and, and, and so when I say being, I was a, luck, a reluctant leader, I actually never wanted to even be on stage. I've never enjoyed being on stage. You know, it's interesting that even for someone like Wilt Chamberlain, I heard that he threw up before most games because he was really nervous about performing. And I've never enjoyed the stage. I've never craved it, but I felt like it was uh, just something that I needed to do. And so, but it prepared me for what I do now. So, so you never know what you're going to learn in every stage. I call them classrooms. You just want to pass the test in every class that you're in. And, um, and so somewhere along the way, I actually ended up being burnt out. Like I had a clinical burnout. I was just carrying on too much responsibility. I, I call burnout self-mismanagement. And I just mismanaged myself and my mind and my time. I was just doing too many things. I was, 
doing regional leadership. I was doing obviously local leadership. I was involved in different civic groups. I was also involved in multiple national boards and had multiple national positions. And so I was just doing too much. So I, I, I just, I had to quit everything. And it's not because I wanted to quit everything. I literally could not do anything. So I went into this dark time and I wouldn't say it was dark um, emotionally, like I was depressed. I was just tired in, on every level. And so when I started to sort of gain a little bit of steam and a little energy back, I would put up these big, you know, movie poster size post-it notes on my wall and I would try and figure out my life because I, I obviously I, I like to think strategically about things. So I was trying to make sense of my life on these papers. It would look like a John Madden, you know, sort of screen. And I'm, I'm trying to figure stuff out. I'm drawing arrows and drawing boxes. And, and, uh, and I, I was just trying to figure me out. And, and that taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about how to, how to think about my life and how to think about other people's lives. And then I, I remember having all of this paper on my wall and somebody came into my, my office here and said, well, can you monetize this? Like, this is really good. And I thought, no, are you kidding me? Like, I never even crossed my mind. And, uh, and so he, he was like, yeah, I think you should try to figure out a way to do this for a living and monetize it. I, I'm like, I can't believe you're telling me this. I've always been a little bit entrepreneurial. Starting a church is certainly entrepreneurial. So I've had, I had that, that sort of wiring. I just didn't know that I was capable of actually starting my own business and doing this. And so I found myself, I call it surrender. I actually feel like I surrendered to the idea. And once I surrendered to the idea, I found myself in 36 different cities. And it was just a year before COVID, 36 different cities teaching leadership and mental performance with literally no advertising at all. So, so it was just kind of like, oh yeah, this was meant for me. This is, this is something I'm good at. And it feels like a calling to do this, helping people understand and figure out their lives. And so I've kind of combined that um, with, I mean, I was an athlete in high school. I didn't play much college sports a little bit, but I'd always really focused on the mental part of the game. And I had a common friend introduce me to Trevor Moad. And Trevor was Russell Wilson's quarterback of the Denver Broncos currently. Introduced to his uh, mental coach, Trevor Moad. And then Trevor, just for whatever reason, I can't explain it, but he just liked me. This guy's on ESPN. He's on the news. He's on NBC. He's on everything, right? Like top of the mountain kind of guy. And, um, and he just sort of liked me and we hung out together. And one day he said, Hey, listen, man, can you like, can you put all of what you do and your thoughts? Um, can you put it into a system or a process? And I said, yeah, cert most certainly I can. So he gave me 30 days to do it. I did it. He looked at it and he was just totally overwhelmed and impressed by it, luckily. And, um, he got on the phone call that day with uh, Russell Wilson's brother, Harrison Wilson, with Limitless Minds. And they had a conversation. They hired me on the spot. Then their next question was, Gary, if you were in charge of this company, what would you do? And how would you lead it? And I said, well, give me a couple of days to come up with a plan. And so I put that together, uh, a five-page sort of prospectus, and um, and the rest is history. So so I did that for a couple of years. And then at uh, at... Trevor's encouragement. He said, man, you just need to be on your own. Like you don't need us, like go do your thing. So I ended up just starting my own business and kind of running with it during COVID, which wasn't great timing. Um, but I was able to survive COVID and then coming out of COVID, it's just been, um, 
uh, just an absolute sprint ever since then. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of learning because I was primarily in the nonprofit world, but now that I'm in the for-profit world, uh, I'm just learning lots of new ways of doing things. So I kind of feel like I'm still a student a little bit, kind of just starting out. But my, for whatever reason, I just feel like um, I've been taking the fast track and I find myself in crazy circles talking to people that I probably should have no business talking to and being associated with. But it's a real joy and it's a, I'm just in it for the ride. And I just feel like this is my current assignment. So I want to do that well. It's incredible. Thank, thank you for sharing that story. And a, a lot of things come up there. A lot of things I'd like to unpack. Um, when you had talked about surrendering to the idea, it made me think of a book by Stephen Pressfield called The War of Art, if you're familiar. I, I am. Um, of like really just like letting resistance in and learning to to be comfortable with it there. Yeah. Um, and then also I, I would, I'd love to learn a little bit more about if you can go back and you're in that rut of, of burnout at the time. And I know like, like fully, like physically you're, you're just exhausted at that point. What would you have done differently knowing what you know now to speed up the curve, to get to where you're at today? Like with your experience today, what were some of the actions that you took maybe a little later along that rut that you, you might've been able to implement earlier to get out of it quicker? Yeah. I mean, a lot of life is a trust issue. Like, do you trust yourself? Do you trust the direction? Do you trust uh, the plan that you have? And I think a lot of us are perfectionists and, and we won't really move until we have a certain level of confidence to move forward with something. And I think what I've learned is, is you can always course correct along the way even movement in a direction that you're not sure of. And even if it's wrong or it ended up being in the wrong direction and you had to pivot, there's more learning in that than not moving at all. And so we, we get stuck in the accumulation of knowledge stage and R&D and we get stuck there and it's not helpful. And so I, I wish I would have sort of trusted, uh, trusted the process, trusted myself, trusted what I was learning and what I've been through. I think I wish I would have trusted sooner but trust, you know, I, I don't do well. I'm a, I'm a data guy, so I just need to see data before I move on something, right? But at some point, you got to move away from the data because the data only tells part of the story. It doesn't tell the whole story. And so if you're really data-driven or you're fact-driven, like someone once said, like, don't let the facts get in the way of the truth. And, and sometimes we can let the facts deceive us. And, and we move in a wrong direction. So a part of that is just like learning to trust ourselves and trust our gut a lot sooner. So you were a pastor for how many years? 28. 28 years. So I, I imagine you learned a, a ton and we could probably spend four hours talking about all the lessons you've learned through that journey. What was that transition like for you from, from, from being a pastor for 28 years to being in a new space? Was it a massive transition? I, I imagine going from pastor to, to more of a coach and leader in another space, it was probably a very easy shift. No, I mean, was it a very easy, cause, cause you're kind of in that position of, you know, if people looking to you for wisdom and looking to you for advice on things, has that, how, how was that transition for you? Yeah, it's, that's a great question because I still struggle with it. Um, so doing something for that long, you're in a certain mindset, right? Like, and then, and then, I mean, the word mindset, it's almost like something set in cement, like it's hard to move. And so changing that mindset has been really challenging. But, you know, it's like, well, what are the best elements of what I've learned in the nonprofit world that I can, I can bring over to the for-profit world? And so um, 
and and then and then learning that my time is valuable like i had no concept of time and money like at all i just never i never thought about it i never had to think about it very much so you know like for example if i go for coffee with someone that's about a 400 dollar coffee for me and for them you know if you're in the nonprofit world or you're salaried it's somebody's paying for it right they sure. you just don't really think about it but now Time is money for me. And if I want to go for coffee, I just have to know it's going to be a 400. And is that meeting worth it for me? The, the positive part, like the stuff I want to put in a suitcase and take with me is the authenticity, the genuineness, the caring for people. Like that piece never goes away. And if I can keep that piece with me, I think it puts me and it positions me uniquely to be a trusted voice in somebody's life because a lot of coaching is trust. Like if I'm telling someone how to improve their mindset or their mental performance, I got to know that that's true. And then I got to know that it works and I'm not just sort of trying to make a sale, but it genuinely helps somebody. So yeah, there's some things I need to leave behind like a poverty mindset. And then there's other things that I feel like, and I need to take that, put that in a suitcase and take it with me in my name. Yeah. How has your faith evolved? over over time how does that still carry with you today where is your faith today where did it used to be could you talk through that a little bit yeah wow like another great question um so when i when i became a pastor i was really reluctant it took me about four or five years to say yes to it and then when i started my own church in seattle which was like totally ridiculous thought right like and i had no people i had no backing that was a ridiculous thought and and but it took me a while to get there in the business world, man, you do not have time to like consider things. Like you don't have time to think about what you want to do and weigh it out and do a, you know, a weighted pros and cons list or whatever items we use for discernment, like conversations and data and culture and society. Like, man, that is, you just don't have it. And so, so I think learning to make decisions really quickly and learning to trust my gut. Like, for example, if sometimes when I go speak, I don't get paid. Sometimes, most of the time I do. Sometimes I don't. I just do it because I think that's a good opportunity for me. And those are the times where I just go by faith. And I say, okay, if, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If I get a client or two out of that, then that's profitable for me, you know? And I've, it's never not happened ever in the last couple of years. It's never. So the, so the issue is though, is that it's kind of like confidence. There's only one way to build confidence. I don't care what anybody tells you. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to, Settle all of the dust on this issue. There's only one way to build confidence, and that's to prove things to yourself. End mm -hmm. of story. Like you can talk yourself into it. You can act like you're confident. You can try to convince yourself. You can be positive. None of that stuff matters. The only thing that matters is, is that you prove things to yourself. That's how you build confidence. And so it's kind of that way in my faith. It's like, okay, um, you know, if, if you have faith in the small things, you're given bigger things, right? And then you've got to be faithful. And you got to trust and then you start to build that faith muscle and you start to build these muscles. Why? Because of the track record, because you've been there before. The only difference is, is that the stakes rise. And so now I'm at a place where I'm just like, man, like stakes are rising way higher than I'm comfortable with. But here's the deal is you're uniquely positioned to move forward because an unconfident person is a hesitant person. And, and, and what does hesitation cost us in business? What does hesitation cost you in sports? One of my clients presently is on, is a defensive tackle and the best defense in the NFL right now. And so I'm like, Hey, what does two tenths of a second cost you? Yeah, well, it costs some millions of dollars. And so in business, what does hesitation cost us? Right. It can be very, very costly. 
So bringing in that idea of, of uh, confidence and not hesitating and moving forward in the darkness and trusting yourself, trusting your gut. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big part of how my faith is impacted. And so now when I'm facing a, you know, a big decision, you know, whether I go to Vegas and I cancel a bunch of stuff and see this, do I do that on my own? Do I think it's just smart to do or do I, and it's a great business decision or do I, or do I say, you know what, God has just been so faithful to me. Why wouldn't he be faithful again? Like, like, and it's crazy. The whole thing is crazy. It costs me a little bit of money, right? So I'm going to put some money into it and it, it just never seems to be an issue along the way. So, so I'm, I'm, it allows me to take risks that I wouldn't normally take, but it always turns out positive. Sure. It's well, really well said. I, I think about it all the time. I, I think I heard it from Andy Versella. He said one time, happiness equals self-confidence and self-confidence equals proving to your subconscious with enough evidence over time that you are the person that you say you are. Exactly. And so, you know, anytime feels that, anytime anyone feels that wavering self-confidence, you probably should just rely back on the actions that you, know, you said that you would do. Hundred uh, percent, and that's why I don't believe in positivity. Um, I'm not a fan. Um, I think if you want to talk about faux positivity, or, or you want to talk about sort of on the surface cultural positivity, you know, there's some value in positivity. But when you're talking about elite performers, none of them ever talk about positivity. It's mm-hmm. just not on the radar. I just went to a mindset conference in Vegas, and I think the word positivity was used once in three days. Like none of us believe in positivity. It's helpful in the short term. And, but the problem with positivity is, is that you could lie to yourself. Mm-hmm. You can be dishonest to yourself. It could be dangerous. I, had a, I literally had a client in Tacoma, Washington, who had a child uh, who was 10 years old. His next door neighbor had a child who was 10 years old. And in Portland, there was Mount Hood. And they, w- they were gonna, about to go down a hill on Mount Hood. And this is while I was coaching this guy. And... And so these kids went down this hill and, but before they went down, they were saying, you can do it. Just be positive. You know, you you got this. That's what are those black diamonds at the top mean? Like it means it's really dangerous. You shouldn't go down it if you don't have experience. That's what it means. The poor kid went down the hill and lost his life. Right. So there's a lot of ways in which being positive, you could literally just be dishonest to yourself. So what's the remedy for, um, for not using positivity and that's optimism. And it's exactly what you were talking about, Antonio. It's like, you got to prove to yourself that you can do it. So if you say you're going to jump out of a plane, the question I'm going to ask you is what reasons have you given yourself to be optimistic that you can do this? If you give yourself reasons, go for it, right? You should be positive about that. You should be optimistic about that. If you can't give yourself reasons, then don't bother being positive. It's not helpful to you. Yeah. So it's a great point. And that's kind of the growth phase that I'm at right now where I'm I'm trying to learn giving myself grace while also not giving not allowing that to give myself too far of a leash as well. Yeah. Like still still holding yourself to higher levels of accountability, but when you do end up failing, not self-sabotaging in it at the same time. So that that's the beauty of life is like managing that dichotomy dichotomy right there. But but I digress. I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what a client experience looks like with Coach Gary Gucci uh, Chupik. Sorry for botching your name there. Yeah, okay. um, um, yeah. walk, walk us through like I on board as a client. What does that experience look like? Who, who am I? What is the avatar? What am I looking to achieve on the other side of it? And, and walk us through that experience, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, most of my clients are kind of basically one of two people, not all of them, but most of them. They are either in the midst of a transition or thinking about a transition or they're just 
just freshly coming out of a transition and, and they need a pretty hard reset in their life. That's one. And then the second one is somebody who just is like a high performer and they know that they want to get better. The best always want to get better. Pete Carroll and I were having a conversation. He said, Gary, the best always want to get better. The best always want a coach. It's interesting to me because it's the people who don't think that they want a coach. They think they're fine, right? But we know that like, for example, Russell Wilson spends hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching. In fact, him and Trevor would talk every day, every single day. You talk about a coach that talks to you every day. That's incredible, right? So, so uh, it's a high performer that wants to get better or it's someone that's thinking about a transition. And, and so what does that look like in, in the services that I offer? So I offer two things. Number one is a game plan for life. So it's a high performance, how to live a high performance life. And then number two is the elite mindset. So I say it's a playbook for the mind and have a game plan for your life. The playbook for the mind is the mental performance training. The game plan for life is, is like, help me figure out my next steps or help me be the very best I can be. And you can see the natural synergy between those two things. If you want to live a high performance life, you have to think that way. And if you want to think a high performance life, you have to live a high performance life. So it really meshes well together. And so it's, it's people who just want to come out. And basically, I'm convinced that everybody would follow a plan if they knew it was the right one. Everybody would, because they would say, oh, thank you for laying this out in front of me. I'll totally do that. But I'm convinced that most people don't trust the plan or they don't trust the person who's facilitating the plan. But if there was such a plan that existed out there and you could follow it for a high performance lifestyle and had the person who had the experience that has a hundred percent success rate, yeah, you would probably trust them. And you would, you would want to know whether it was true to you. Like, is it customizable? Is it personal? And, and so I created two different programs that are highly customizable for the individual person. That's why I believe in identity based mental performance. So if I can tap into you and who you are and extract out the very best in you, we've got, we've got gold. And I know that you'll do it long term. If I transpose something that I think is generic and you go on to chat GPT and say how to live a high performance lifestyle, it's going to spit out a bunch of stuff that you're going to be like, okay, where do I begin? And here's the other thing is if you go to chat GPT or you go to like the vast majority of my colleagues, they have no comprehension of sequence. And sequencing is extremely important because, for example, if you uh, like, I don't know what kind of a cook you are, Antonio, or a baker, but like if you were going to bake a cake, right? And you said, okay, well, here's all the ingredients. I have chocolate, I have eggs, I have flour, I have baking powder or soda, whatever it is. I don't even know. Or milk. Yeah, you could have all the right ingredients. But if you take that, that all those ingredients and you put like cocoa on top of a couple eggs and you put it in the oven for 45 minutes and you bring it out and then you throw some flour on top, you're not getting a cake. You, you, you have the ingredients and all the right ingredients, but you literally didn't have the outcome of having a cake. And it's the same way with mental performance and doing a lot of the game plan for life stuff. It's like high performance lifestyle stuff. You got to put things in the right sequence so that the, my client understands the sequence. They understand where we're going. And once they understand that and they see that, it's magic because now they say, oh, this is, this makes sense and it's for me and it was done by me. So I provide the templates. My clients provide the content. And when you're the content of your own story and it makes sense to you and you're like, yeah, why, why are I not doing these things? Like you, I totally should be doing these things. Then, it, then it's magic. So your clients are the ingredients and you build out the recipe. That's, right. that, that's the way. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. What does the, what does the future hold? What's the vision for Gary Chupik? 
Where do you yeah. see everything going? Yeah, well, 2024 is going to be a massive year for me. So I'm, I have a book in the works. I have a high-performance journal in the works. I have uh, what I, and I, I know, I don't think, I know it'll be the best mental performance assessment in the world. And how do I know? It's because I've researched it like crazy and I haven't found anything that's good as what I'm going to do. And so it'll be like, for example, if I go to Amazon, I'm, I'm up here in Seattle, so I can go to Amazon or Microsoft and say, hey, let's get your whole company assessed on their mindset. And I can break it down by individual or division or company. It'll be the best mindset assessment tool in the world. And now I'll be able to know as a mental performance coach, how to, how to address and which areas to address in every single employee or every single division or every single team. So I'm doing that. I'm also, it's kind of a secret. It's not public, but it's, I guess it'll be public now because I'm thinking <laughs> about doing actually very close to signing some papers for my very first mental performance conference in the Pacific Northwest. So I'll do one in Seattle in 2024 and then one in Los Angeles. And so there's a lot of mental performance stuff that goes on on the East Coast in the South because they're, they're dense with sports teams and athletics, but there's almost nothing West of Utah that ever happens on mindset on the West coast. So I want to, I want to own the West coast on mental performance and get, make my name known there. So I got, and then finally, um, one of the big business decisions that I need to make, if I'm just going to be completely vulnerable is I have two really great proven, uh, products, right. And services. So the game plan for life and elite mindset. And so I have to make a decision whether I'm going to uh, train and assess and certify anybody who wants, you know, I, I mean, obviously I'll vet people, but anybody who wants to become a trainer in my system and then use that in their own business, or do I want to train a small group of elite performers, like let's say 10, who will take my product and be really great ambassadors for my product and then work with someone like David Meltzer or Ed Milet or whoever that is. So I have a decision to make. I don't know which one to make. I could do it sequentially. I can try one for an, a year and, and then see if, you know, if I want to adjust or train uh, or, or uh, you know, adjust or, or go in a different direction. But I don't really know at this moment what I'm going to do, but I'm going to pick one before the end of the year. I promised myself that I would. So I got a lot of stuff happening in 2024. And uh, yeah, any input you have, I would really love and appreciate, Landon, for sure. Well, I think the the beautiful thing is, is that like you have an amazing problem. You're, you're deciding which way you want to scale. I think a lot of people sometimes don't take the leap to even decide to scale. But it sounds like you've already made the decision to to go to the next level. It's just how do I go about executing? And all it comes down to is, is having the right data points over a long set of time which I mean, you're the guy, <laughs> you're the go-to guy for that. So um, we appreciate you sharing and being vulnerable. This is, uh, you know, it, we, we love getting the, the super exclusive. We've got the insider information here. Um, Gary, we, we always ask everyone that comes on this podcast, this is the Consistency Wins podcast. It's a little cheesy, but we do ask, you know, what does consistency mean to you? That That is the, you know, our mantra. For us, it's everything. I think it's a really great way to where if you if you dive into consistency, that'll create that self-confidence naturally. Um, walk us through what consistency means to you and how that shows up into your life and your client's life. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple guys, uh, you know, Ben Newman, a couple guys have different ways of saying it, but we're all kind of saying the same thing. And that is uh, that you have to figure out how to build your own self-confidence. So you're like, when I work with the Seattle Mariners, the very first thing we talk about is belief, right? Do you believe that if you put in the work, you can be successful? Because if you don't have a high enough level of self-belief, you got no shot, right? So, so think of it like a cup. 
And if, and if your self-belief is a five and it, at that point, it doesn't really matter what anybody pours into you. You're always going to leak at a five. It won't matter. You're going to get world-class training, world-class mentoring, world-class coaching. None of it's going to matter because you leak at a five. So my job is to increase that where that hole is and, and, and hopefully that you'll live out of the overflow because we know that in order for you to be, be really successful at anything, you really have to live out of the overflow. Your confidence and self-belief needs to be sky high. So building your own self-confidence and proving things to yourself is crucial. And so I, I created something called win the day. So essentially, and I know we've heard that term before, but for me, what it means is, is identifying those five or seven. It's very important that it either is five or seven, the five or seven things that you do in your day that put you in the best position to succeed. Why do I say it that way? Because you, can, you can't control outcomes in life. You just can't. A baseball player, a pitcher can throw the best pitch in the world and they get hit for a home run. You cannot control outcomes, but you can always put yourself in the best position to succeed. So what are those things that you do every single day that puts you in the best position to succeed, either five or seven things? And the reason why I say five or seven is because you have, a, you have to decide whether you win or lose every day. So if you, let's say you have seven things and you've done only three of them, you've lost the day. And so I have a calendar. Personally, I have a calendar in my room and, and every day I put an L or a W in my day. And if I'm stringing together L's and I feel crappy, I'm like, well, no wonder why I feel crappy. I'm, I'm not being me. I'm not doing the things that make me great. Okay. If I'm doing them and I do more than four things, four or more, I win the day, right? So what that does is it emotionally regulates me and it proves to myself that I can do things. And sometimes going to the gym, I don't break a record every time I go to the gym, but I'm so consistent going and I see those W's day after day after day. Yeah, I I feel pretty good about myself. So when something negative or unfortunate does happen, I'm in a far better position to handle those things. If great things happen, you know, that's great. So for me, it's about controlling the locus of control in my life. I'd never expect anything exterior of my body to determine the value of my day, right? It's always internal for me and I can control it. So I get to determine my locus of control and having an internal locus of control is far more valuable than having an external locus of control. So what are the seven things that put me in a perfect or great position to have a a fantastic day? I get to determine them and I get to work on them. And gladly for me, before 8 a.m., I've done like most of them. So so that's how you do this thing. That's how you live life. Love it. Love it. Gary, how can our listeners, as we wrap up here, how can our listeners connect with you? How can they follow your journey? What's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, I appreciate that. Most of my clients are on Instagram and LinkedIn, but I, I, I just haven't figured out the LinkedIn thing too much yet. But it's one big cross sell right now. That's why. Yeah, 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 it's true. <laughs> but a lot of my athletes and, and professional sure. business people are on Instagram. So I find that that pretty easy. So elite mindset on Instagram and my e pardon me, my um, website is elite mindset nation.com. Cause I want to create a nation of high performers. So elite mindset on Instagram and elite mindset nation on my website. And people can sign up for a 15 minute free discovery call. That's awesome. We'll make sure we put that in the description. Gary, thank you so much. Blessed to have you on, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks fellas.